Well, good morning and welcome to Grace. I'm Pastor Ryan. I, for one, am sick and tired of hearing of the frequent and grotesque violence in our schools. It seems that children's minds today are bombarded with more trash than ever before, and the results are a generation plagued with the godlessness of our age. This is why we need godly parenting today more than ever. Thanks for joining us today as we once again travel into the book of Proverbs to discover that true wisdom from God is found in no other place than Jesus Christ himself. Badly do we need parenting in our world today. It takes more than just moms and dads, and I'm pretty certain we could say somebody's failed in this situation. Some moms and dads somewhere have failed. I remember I, I heard it this week when I was driving on the radio, this whole report. These girls, middle schoolers, 11 and 12 years old, they wanted to kill their classmates, butcher them up, and then kill themselves as an honor to Satan. They said they were practicing Satanists. Uh, the news report on the radio uh, said that uh, these girls had uncovered this kind of thinking and behavior from watching scary movies. Now, I know what it's like in my house. I know when the TV's on. I, I, I know what my kids are watching because I know that their future and influence is dependent on the leadership of their parents. Someone has failed. But in the case where I would make a mistake, I count on the church. I'm looking for help. It takes more than just one mom and dad to raise a child children properly in faith and at the root of it here's the issue you have two ways in life that you can follow god's ways or man's ways and man will be deceived by the devil who said comes to seek to steal and kill and destroy exactly what we saw in that news report that is the work of the evil one so which way are you going to follow which lifestyle are you going to raise your child up in in God's ways, in God's wisdom, or man's ways, in man's wisdom, in man's glory, self-praise, the idea that we'll make a name for ourselves by doing these things. There's two avenues that you can take. Uh, God's way follows in the pattern of Jesus' words. In John chapter 14, as he's leaving, the disciples ask, where are you going? How do we get there? And Jesus says these words, I am the way and the truth and the life. Can you say that with me? Ready? I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus' words lay out these three very distinct characteristics that if you want to find the right way, where do you look? If you want to find truth, where do you look? If you want to find life, where do you look? You have God's ways and you have man's ways. There's only two options in this world. Uh, this past week, the... Um, the leaves all fell, finally. Leaves all fell. And so that means yard work for me. Anybody else with me on that one? Yeah, a little bit of yard work. And so, like a good father, I delegated the work. That's what, I yeah, that's what you should do, you know. Good managers, they don't do it all themselves. And so out in the yard, uh, I, I uh, put my son to work. First day, however, uh, he had a little trouble getting motivated. A little, little hard time kind of getting the wheels turning the whole way. And uh, so the following day, I, I went out in the yard and, and I just got everything kind of started for him. I, I, uh, I got some of the leaves put in rows and I showed him how we got to move it, haul it on the tarp, and we put it all on the curb like this. They got a big suction mas- machine there 
uh, in town that pulls it up off the street. Um, but I found that it was not enough to simply tell my son, go rake the leaves. Now, I had to tell him, right? As part, part of my job as a parent is to delegate. Uh, but it wasn't enough to just tell him. Everybody with me? Right? Not enough just to say, hey, do this. Again, I can recall my uh, words of my grandpa when I was a little boy. Do what I say, not what I do. And that just doesn't work. So here I had to tell him, number one. But after that, I had to show him. You guys remember show and tell in school? Right? Yeah, those steps, number one and number two in parenting. Number one, you tell him. But number two, you've got to show him. You've actually got to, uh, and this is what I had to do for Micah. I had to show him how I expected all the leaves to be raked, not leaving half a dozen of them after you rake. You've got to take time and do the job. Well, you've heard me say this, right? If you're going to do a job, do it right the... Yeah, good. We're all on the same page there. So I had to show him what that looked like. But it wasn't enough for me as dad just to tell him and show him. I had to do it with him. Everybody hear me now? That's the job of a parent. You tell, and you show, and you do. And then he learns because here's what must happen. It must move for our children and for all of us. The truth of how to live must move from being an external idea, an external form of conformity, and it must become something that they internalize. It must become something that they now live from the inside out. You can think that we do this with just about anything. Um, Think about the places that you've traveled to in the past. Um, there, there was a time I, I needed a GPS to find my way around a place. But after I've been there long enough, I memorized the roads. Right? Now, I, I, hopefully you've done the same thing. I, I, I think I told you a couple weeks back, going to Green Bay, I remember I used to have to always depend on my GPS. But after being there long enough, now I kind of know where to go and find my way around. That's because I've done what? Is it external? It's, it's been internalized. Uh, think of uh, some of our songs, our, our praise team practices on Wednesday. Um, sometimes uh, we teach new songs to the church, right? And a new song is found where? where? Where do you depend on to sing the right words? Internal or external? External. In order for this to be something that begins to speak to your spirit as you drive home and you're still singing, make me a blessing. That was our one right here. Uh, as you start letting that become something you carry with you, what do you have to do with it? Make it Internal. This is the exact same process that must happen for children. Not just children, but every one of us. Truth and God's wisdom has to move from being external to becoming something that we adopt inside. It now shades and characterizes and flavors the heart of our, uh, our soul. That we don't, no longer depend on it on the outside, but we've hidden God's word in our hearts. Uh, as parents, that looks uh, like three very specific tasks we must do. Tell them, show them, and do it. Can we say that together? Tell them, show them, and do it. That's right. I'm, I'm calling this message the path of their heart. And we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4. Now, you guys are in, in store for something special this morning. This is going to be a fast sermon. We got, we got a lot going on today. So we're going to buckle up and we're going to, we're going to cruise. So I'm, I'm just warning you, we're going, to, we're going to move quickly now. Proverbs chapter 4, if you want mine. As we, as we work through uh, the book of Proverbs, what we're, going to, what we're going to see is that Proverbs 4 gets outlined in three sections. There's three specific sections that I'm going to make sure that you recognize. And then we're going to turn to two other passages. So if you can make sure that your fingers are ready to flip a, a few pages in your Bible. Uh, that's what, Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to be in two other places, but we're going to look for the three passages of Proverbs 4. 
Page 989 in the Pew Bibles. All right, here we go. I'm going to start with verse 1 of Proverbs 4. Uh, Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. When I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and an only child of my mother, he taught me and said, lay hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Esteem her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. Verse 10. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. For they cannot sleep until they do evil. They are robbed of slumber until they make someone fall. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink wine of violence. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter to the full light of day. But the path or the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet. Take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. All right, thank you for your attention to God's Word here in Proverbs 4. Remember I said there are how many sections to this? Three sections. Uh, Let let me outline those for you very briefly. Each one begins with this phrase, Listen, my sons. All right, did everybody catch that? So verse 1 begins our first. uh, Verse 1 through 9 is our first section. Uh, And then in verse 10, we have the start of our second session. Uh, Again, with the words, Listen, my sons. And so that travels down to verse 19. So again, nine verses in a row. And then verse 20, um, just another way of saying listen is, hey, pay attention. So uh, again, addressed to the Son, and this begins our third section here. I want to outline you, uh, outline these for you uh, with these phrases. First section is generational investment. So verses 1 through 9, generational investment. And at every point in these nine verses... The generational investment that he's speaking to is the truth. That, that's why it's worth holding on to. That's why it's worth listening to you. Look, if, I, if I'm telling the truth, what should you do? Should probably listen, right? If I'm making this up or if it's my opinion, well then, you know, whatever you want. Think different. That's fine. But if this is the truth, then you need to listen. And the flavor through this is speaking to the influence of generations. Uh, If you look with me in verse 3, 
He says, when I was a boy in my father's house, still tender and only child of my mother, he taught me and said, and here we have the rest of the teaching that flows. Uh, There's a a good Curcio buddy of mine, Bucky Holm. He worships over in Iron River. And he's got a a really fantastic saying. First, you should know his kids, uh, they they do obey him with proper respect. He's worthy of managing God's household because of uh, the way in which he manages his own household. But these are his words. He said, when you speak to your child, you're whispering in the ear of your grandchild. I'll say that again. When you speak to your child, you're whispering into the ear of your grandchild. There's generational investment in your efforts uh, to grow up your children in the faith. And and much like Penny even helped us to see from God's word, that a harsh word is one that is going to become a pattern, but a gentle word is sweet like honey, and it turns away anger and wrath. Which, which attracts more honey from the beekeepers? Vinegar or honey? How do, how do you catch them? Vinegar or honey? Right? And just, just to think of the ways in which maybe there had been abuse previously in your generation. Maybe dads who couldn't control their temper. Maybe yelling. Maybe verbal abuse from mom. Don't you find that those same patterns are now invested as seeds that you want to pull? These non-fruit bearing weeds that need to be pulled out? When you speak to your child... You're whispering in the ear of your grandchildren. Uh, These passages uh, in 1 through 9 all speak to the generational investment. Um, I sometimes wonder how my dad knew the best trees to tap. How did did he know the right trails uh, to hunt deer on? How did he know the best fishing holes? How do you think he knew all those things? His dad. That's right. His dad showed him this is the path for success. Follow in this way. He wasn't giving him opinion. He was saying, no, go here. Do this. He was offering what? Opinion or truth. He was offering him truth. That's exactly what it was. And so I became the bearer and the recipient of that as my dad would walk with me through the woods and point out what a sugar maple looks like and show me what a deer path looks like and take me to places of how to catch catch the fish. That, That is passed down. And in every way, we need to understand this is the same call to parents. When you speak to your children, you're whispering in the ears of your grandchildren. I told you we're going to turn to another passage. And so for our first one, hold your spot in Proverbs and turn all the way back to the book of Judges. So you're going to have to travel a bit of, way, a bit of the way into your Old Testament. <clears throat> after the first five books of the Bible, after the book of Joshua, you will find the book of Judges. And we're going to try to turn here to chapter 2, right at the beginning of the story. Uh, We're going to hear as to what happened to Joshua and then what subsequently happened after that. Joshua, or sorry, Judges, the book of Judges, chapter 2. Helen, can you help us there? 373 373 in the Pew Bibles. Everybody there? Say amen if you're there. Amen. Say, Lord, help me if you're not. All right, we'll wait another minute. Thank you. All right. I like to say, if, if, you've got an, if you found it, help your neighbor find it, okay? So if someone's still flipping, you can tell them, no, that's the New Testament. Go the other direction. Judges chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 6. Judges 2, verse 6. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to his own inheritance. Everybody with me? Is making sense? You see where we're at? All right, verse 7. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua 
and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things that the Lord had done for Israel. All right, time out. Who, who saw what God had done so far in this story? The elders and what other, what other fellow? Joshua, right? And the text says that all of the people served the Lord under the rule of these who saw it with their own eyes. They could give testimony. This is what God did. I didn't hear about it. I was there. I saw it happen. And the whole nation follows in obedience during this time. Verse 8, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at an age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnaharez, the hill country of Ephraim, north of the Mount of Gash. After that, whole generation had been gathered to their fathers. What is that a euphemism of saying? What did they all do? They all died, right? So the whole generation that saw these things happen, after they'd been gathered to the fathers, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Can you guys gasp? <gasps> Come on, all together, ready? <gasps> Thank you. That's, that's the response from something like this. Here you had the passage of God's acts, his works being seen, and that whole generation dies, and what happens? A new generation grows up who doesn't know God. They don't know the Lord. I want you to see the very next verse. The very next thing that happens when a generation has not been taught the word of God. Verse 11. Then the Israelites did what? Evil in the eyes of the Lord. They served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers, who brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. What happened when this didn't happen when there wasn't generational investment. Is this very clear? Does everybody see the concept? If you if you have trouble seeing it, um, uh, here here's a passage out of Second Timothy. Um, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm pres- uh, persuaded now lives also in you. Timothy's faith. How many generations? One, two, three. Generational investment must be seen. And if you and I from studying here in Judges have any question as to the consequence of what that looks like, remember this. This is the product of the failure of us to recognize that when we speak to our children, we're investing and whispering into the ears of our grandchildren. All right, so Proverbs 4 again, if you turn back with me. Proverbs 4 begins with this cry and this call to say, look, you have an influence Grandma and Grandpa, you have an influence, great grandma, great grandpa. Your testimony continues to be woven into the fabric of your children's lives. That's it, number one. All right, second section is directional instruction. So this is verses 10 through 19. Directional instruction. I wonder how many times you caught this. There's a word that was repeated again and again. Verse 11, I guide you in the what? The way of wisdom leads you along straight what? Paths. When you what? Walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you won't stumble. Hold on to instruction. You not let it go. Guard it well for it's your life. Don't set foot on the, what's it say? Path of the wicked. Or walk in the what? Way. Do you see how many times this is repeated? This whole section is speaking to direction. 
This is how you go. This is the way to walk. This is how you ought to live. You want to know how to get there fastest? Follow this way. I remember a couple weeks ago, I was traveling with my mom down to Milwaukee. She was buying a a secondhand uh, dryer from a dryer repairman. And um, I, I was talking to him on the phone. I was going to help her load it and lift it. And, uh, and this fella, he, 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 he cared a lot about making sure we knew what was up. And uh, so as we were getting closer, he would call and he would say, I want to make sure you know how to get here. And of course, I had my GPS, so I'm all prideful, right? And all like, we're good. Thanks, thanks for calling. I got this, right? But then he calls when we're just one mile away. And he says, how far away are you? And I'm kind of a little bit like... Look, bud, what do you think? I don't know if all directions here, I'll get there. But he says, as soon as you cross the railroad tracks, you have to take an immediate sharp left. And I thought, hmm, that didn't actually show up on the, on the map. And sure enough, as we got a little bit closer and crossed the railroad tracks, there was this turn that nobody would have ever got. You asked my mom, we would have, we would have been searching all around that town looking because we would have missed it. What was he doing? He was trying to tell me the right what? The right path. Go this way. And if I didn't have somebody who knew, if I didn't have somebody who had gone there before to tell me where to go, geez, I would have been lost. I would have been lost. Anyone ever been lost? How's that feel? Anyone ever been? I don't mean even on the, on the, on the roads. Any, any point that that word has meaning for you in your life, feeling lost is about the scariest feeling that we can have. Grandparents, parents, there's a reason why the writer here moves immediately after de- describing your influence in their life to say, look, I know you've been there before. Come on, right? We've been there. Certainly, the years of living in this broken world and knowing Jesus as your Savior has purchased for you experience of wisdom so that we can turn to the next generation and say, let me tell you the works of God in my life. Let me tell you how awesome he is and how he put me on the right path. You need to make sure you follow in the right path as well. It's a directional instruction. And that is called the way. So, so far we've seen the truth. We've seen the right way. Thirdly is applicational integration. Applicational integration. I'm picking big words here, but let me uh, explain those very, very quickly. All right, starting in verse 20. Again, we have our third section. My son, pay attention to... What I say, listen. With what part of your body do you listen? Ears. It's actually your heart. But yes, your, your ears. Get, get the information to your heart. That's right. Um, uh, do not let them out of your sight. What, what part of your body do you see with? Your eyes. your eyes. All right. Keep them within your... And here's another body part. Heart. For they are your life. Uh, to those who find them. Health to man's whole body. Above all else, guard your... There's heart again. It's a wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your... There's mouth. Keep crook... Corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze straight before you. Make level a path for your what? Yeah, I asked for Lois's illustration from last Sunday. Remember this guy? Remember him? Yeah, there it is. Uh, the, the, the way the Christian life needs to be run is such that all the parts are there. You, you don't get to serve God just with one part. It's applicational integration. It's a holistic yielding of your life to God. And this is not the truth. This is not the way. Uh, this is the life. Interesting, isn't it? What did Jesus say he was? The way, the truth, the life. And as we look at Proverbs, we see the first section speaks of truth. 
The second section speaks of the way. And the third section speaks of how we live. Speaks of your life. This is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 15. Don't you understand yet? Jesus asked some of them. Don't you see? Everything that enters the mouth goes into the stomach. Then out of the body. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. Those are the things that make someone unclean. Evil thoughts come out of a person's heart. So do murder and adultery and other sexual sins. And so do stealing and false witness and telling lies about others. These are the things that make you unclean, but eating food without washing your hands doesn't make you unclean. What's Jesus' point? What's the place that you need to watch over more than anything? It's your heart. Look with me again in our passage. In verse 23, he says, Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Did you see from Jesus' understanding here all of the variety of trash and rubbish that seeks to attack our hearts, to conform our hearts away from God's will? Remember, there's two ways. Man's, God's, man's wisdom and God's wisdom. Those are the only two ways. Now, a few of you are veterans, right? A few, few of you fought battles. A few of you have seen what that's like. Now, when you get out there onto the front lines... Are you only worried about one type of ammunition? Enemies only come after you in one way. No, man, you've got, you got to be afraid of all of them. You're not afraid, prepared. You'll be prepared for all of the variety of ways of attack that are coming after you. You've got mortar shots, you've got IEDs, you've got suicide bombers, you've got tanks, guns, knives, grenades, cannons. You can't just try to watch the one and let all the others, oh, it'll be fine. You've got to be prepared for them all. Did you see what the writer here was saying? What, what part of your body did he leave out? Anything? Eyes, feet, heart, mouth. It's an applicational integration. There, there's one word in here that I, I want to draw your attention to as I kind of work to the end of this. Um, and it was found in verse 22. Did you see that? Don't let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart for they are, in verse 22, they are life. How amazing is that? They are life. That was actually repeated over in verse 13. Look back in 13 real quick. Hold on to instruction. Don't let it go. Guard it well, for it is your... There it is again. And that's actually a repetition of verse 7. Look at verse 7. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. What, what is he doing here? I actually believe that we're speaking about something a little more important than just wisdom. And one of my goals this morning is to help demystify wisdom. Because we've been talking about wisdom for a couple of weeks now, right? All right, so what is this wisdom? This is the last place I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians in the New Testament. The book of 1 Corinthians. Because as we pursue wisdom, I want you to see Jesus is for us. Wisdom from God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Jesus is for us. Wisdom. From God. Page 1771 in the Pew Bibles. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look with me in verse 18. As we look at this, I want you to remember how many options are there? How many ways are there? How many wisdoms are there? Man's ways and that's it. So these are your options. Let's see what the apostle has to say here. Verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligent of the intelligent. 
I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of the world, uh, through its wisdom, did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom and the weakness of God stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world, the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him that you're in Christ Jesus, who has become for us, what's it say? Wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Chapter 2. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom. I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise, persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. Amen? Amen. All right, so who is the truth and the way and the life? Say his name. Jesus Jesus is his name. Jesus is for us wisdom of God. And so here, here are my conclusions for you. Number one, true wisdom is to believe in Christ. There it is. You want true wisdom? Not, not opinion wisdom, not preference wisdom, truth. You want truth? Believe in Jesus Christ. Not, not I know about him, but I give my all to him. That's what true Christian belief is. Number two, the path of salvation is to follow who? To follow Jesus Christ. So you, you want to know the path to walk on? You want to know the way? It's Jesus Christ. And number three, Jesus Christ living in you is where we find true life. Those were the three sections of our proverb. The truth that comes intergenerationally. The path that you're to walk on because I've been there before and I know. And the integrated life such that every aspect is surrendered to him. Truth is to believe in Christ. The path of salvation is to follow Christ. And Jesus Christ is living in you. So what do you do with this today? Here we go. Ready? Number one, tell it. You got to tell your children and your grandchildren. You have to give testimony of what God has done for you. And this is what I want you to know. You are a witness for Jesus no matter your children's age. As we've been studying the family, don't think for one second that if you don't have children in your house, you can check out of these messages. We need you. Your children need you. And if you don't have kids, the rest of our kids need you. You are a witness. That's an awesome word. You are a witness such that you can speak of the deeds of God. Remember Joshua? Remember the elders? They saw what happened. And what did did they fail to do? They failed to pass it on. And what did that new generation do? 
They followed after whose wisdom? God's? Man's wisdom. There's only two options here. Deuteronomy 4, these are the words. Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. Hear me now. Telling is number one. You've got to tell them what to do. And you are a witness of Jesus no matter your children's age. Number two, you've got to show them. You've got to show what it looks like to follow after him. So your message is not one of human wisdom, as we saw in 1 Corinthians, but rather a demonstration of God's power. Do not think for a moment that you could lead somebody where you have not first walked. Show them how to walk in truth. Show them the path of following Jesus Christ. Not with words, but with a demonstration of the life of those words in your heart. Ephesians 4 says these words, You were taught with regard to your former way of life. Put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created to be like God in true holiness or righteousness and holiness. It's a demonstration, folks. Is it, does the Spirit live in you? Does the Spirit control you? Or do I still see you? Do the words that come out of your, your mouth smell like vinegar? Or are they sweet like honey? Because they come from the Spirit. Do you demonstrate what you speak? Tell them. Show them. And lastly, you got to do it. Make certain to integrate Christ through your whole life. You have to integrate him into your whole life. You can't say, I I serve God on Sunday. I go to church on Sunday. He's got to have ownership over every little piece of you. Matthew 13, 33. Jesus told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast. And a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. In many ways, we are like the dough. You got a lot of different parts. Does Jesus have rulership over them all? How about the hours of your day? Does he have rulership over your time? How about your talents? Do you have rulership over your talents? How about your money? Do you have rulership over your money? Everything. We need to learn to integrate it into our life. And so you tell them, you show them, and you live it. Amen? Amen. Boy, that was fast. So fast. <laughs> pray, pray with me.